your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Tuesday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. Excited to be back for another show today. And as it always happens, when we start basketball season, we're nearing the end of football season. The agenda is absolutely jam-packed today. So I'm excited to get into all of it. We got some basketball talk. We have some field hockey talk. We have a lot of football talk as well. Tyrone Tracy put out an interesting tweet. The depth chart came out. He's no longer number one. We're talking about all that, including some of the analytics behind Iowa's win this past weekend over Minnesota. So before we get into any of that, though, I want to thank you all for making the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Lockdown Hawkeyes. It's that easy. We're here Monday through Friday for free. And also, if you haven't had an opportunity to do so yet, definitely check out yesterday's episode with LeSean Daniels, former Iowa running back. We did an awesome recap episode of the Iowa-Minnesota game. And for those of you that are going to the Iowa-Illinois game this weekend, be on the lookout for my ugly mug. I will be there as well. I am super excited to be tailgating with my best friend and his family. It is going to be a ton of fun. I haven't been to a home Iowa game in quite some time, so we're really excited to be back in Iowa City and ultimately at Kinnick. And if for some reason you actually recognize me, Come and say hi. We'd love to see, love to see you, see listeners of the show, all that, all that fun stuff really would make my day as well. Let's get into it though. Lots of basketball talk because we have several games going on. The women's basketball team took down UNI yesterday, 82 to 61. Caitlin Clark had 25 points, 12 boards, and seven assists. Monica Shinano had 16 points, five rebounds, four assists. Overall, Pretty darn good defense. You really like what Iowa, the women's basketball team, is doing from the defensive perspective. The offense still getting rolling a little bit, but when you're playing good defense, it allows you to still be in games when your offense is not. The women have Southern University on November 17th, so this Wednesday they're taking on Southern University. Uh, you can be on the lookout for that game coming up in a few short days. The men's basketball team had a nice win over UMKC as well, 89 to 57. They had a 37 to 23 lead at in the first half, which is pretty impressive. The first stringers getting 20-ish minutes apiece. We saw a lot of the second unit. We also saw Joshua Gundelay and Riley Mulvey both get five minutes. Some people were asking me what happened to Josh. Why was he not playing in that first game? I honestly still don't know the answer to that. I don't know why he was necessarily not playing. Um, I haven't had a chance to you know look at Fran or read Fran McCaffrey's transcripts yet, but uh, Josh did get minutes though against UMKC. My guess is just more of a matchup type of thing. You don't need a big bruiser down low like Josh against Longwood. Now, when Iowa gets into Big Ten matchups, you are going to need a guy like Joshua Gundelay to be there. But when we start playing some of these other teams, especially in our non-conference schedule, it's not as pertinent. You'll see that against North Carolina Central, which is the game that Iowa is take playing tonight, actually. We're probably not going to see a lot of Josh. North Carolina Central, one of the shortest teams in the nation, 281st in the nation in height. So you're not going to see a lot of Josh in this game as well. Probably going to ride and die with that first and second string unit that we've been seeing so often to this point in the season with Joe Toussaint, Jordan Bohannon, Keegan Murray, Patrick McCaffrey, and Philip Abracha at that one. In the second unit, you got Aaron Eulis, you got Tony Perkins, you have Connor McCaffrey, right? You got those guys coming in there. You also have Chris Murray as well. 
And then you're kind of filtering in some other guys. Peyton Sanford is getting a lot of playing time too. So that's going to be your normal rotation, um, especially for these non-conference games. Obviously, they want to get Riley some time. They want to get Josh some time. But when you're playing teams that don't need – you don't need a big man like that on the floor. You're just not going to see them as often. Some other takeaways, though, from that UMKC win, Jordan Bohannon has looked very good without the ball in his hands in this game, four of eight, three of five from three with 13 points. If we can get that kind of production from Jordan, that is going to be so beneficial to this Hawkeye offense. Honestly, just getting 10 to 15 points from Jordan, all coming from threes, giving them a little bit of a spark there. When Jordan gets going, he can hit pretty much anything from anywhere, and that's something you need on a team like this. There are some concerns from a three-point shooting perspective. I will only shot 25%. Jordan has really been the main guy that has been hitting and knocking down threes. We've seen Keegan hit some. We've seen Peyton hit some. But it is something to watch as we go into the season. That was a big concern when you lose a Joe Wieskamp, a Luca Garza, a CJ Frederick, a Jack Nungie. You're losing guys who can shoot the three ball very well. We don't have that nearly as much. So how does Iowa function and facilitate offense? Well, we've seen them do a pretty good job at getting out and running. And this team is playing with a significant amount of chemistry. They're attacking the basket. And I've really liked what I've seen from this offense so far in two games. And what I've been most impressed by is Keegan Murray and Patrick McCaffrey. Keegan Murray looks like a guy on a mission. He knew the expectations were high coming into the season. And without a doubt, through two games, he has absolutely met those expectations. Keegan Murray is going to be a star on this team. People don't know this name yet as much. People might have saw him in some of the NBA mock drafts coming into the season, but people have not seen Keegan Murray really take over a basketball game. But to this point, has been doing so well. In this game, 9 of 15, 25 points, 4 rebounds. He is taking his shot. He knows he is the guy. Patrick McCaffrey also has to be kind of the Robin to Keegan's Batman. 5 of 10 for 10 points. I really like how Patrick McCaffrey has been playing defensive basketball and then pushing the ball when he gets the ball in his hands on a defensive board. Philip Robracha, the unsung hero at this point, 13 rebounds and nine assists in that game. Or sorry, nine points, excuse me. 13 rebounds, though, nine points from Philip Robracha. Um, another good outing from him as well. Didn't see as much of him, as much of him in that first game, but this defense has been really impressive with the height of Patrick, Philip, and Keegan. Really impressive seeing three, six, nine guys and how they're kind of rotating around and playing strong defense. Joe T has been doing a great job at that starting point guard spot as well. Six assists and four points. And again, that defensive energy is there. Okay, Tony Perkins, three steals. Keegan Murray, three steals. That is going to help this Iowa basketball team become a more pertinent player late in February and in March during March Madness. We talked about this. I've talked about it a little bit. Losing Luca Garza, losing Joe Wieskamp, those are not good. Those are not easy losses. Both those guys are playing in the NBA. But the unfortunate thing is, while your team might overall be a better team, when you're not able to play as strong a defense, it leaves you a little bit more susceptible when you're having an off night. It leaves you susceptible when you're playing a team like in Oregon where they are a lot smaller but significantly quicker and they are hitting and knocking down those shots. So it's really nice to see from the defensive side of the basketball, we are playing really outstanding defensive basketball. So far, Kempom is pretty much in love with Iowa as well, at least compared to most national media outlets. 20th ranked in Kempom, according to Kempom's rankings, 10th in offensive adjusted efficiency, and 58th in defensive adjusted efficiency. 58 is a lot better than it was last year. And I expect them to continue that train and continue to get 
building on that defensive energy, going up against North Carolina Central, one of the worst teams in college basketball tonight, the 343rd ranked Ken Palm team. They lost 70 to 60 to Richmond. They lost 90 to 51 to Memphis, who is the 15th ranked Ken Palm team. One of the more experienced teams in the nation, 27th in terms of experience. But again, as I mentioned earlier, really lacking in the height column, 281. So expect Iowa to be able to get in the passing lanes, expect them to be able to utilize Keegan Patrick and Phillips' height and athleticism to their advantage more so than another team might who has bigger men who are not as athletic. What I would like to see from Iowa in this game is getting those backups in. I would like to see the starters only play 18 to 20 minutes. The chemistry is clearly there. They're clearly a strong unit. Let's not worry about getting any injuries. Let's get that second string unit in there because there's still some things to work out there. Peyton Sanford's looked pretty good in limited minutes, but his shot wasn't falling the last game. Chris Murray, I think, could be a really big weapon for this team off the bench, but you have to get him ready and acclimated to the flow of the game and with chemistry along that second unit with an Aaron Uless and a Connor McCaffrey as well. So that'll be really interesting to me. Also, I would love to see Patrick McCaffrey take over a little bit. Okay, Keegan Murray has kind of been the guy. I would love to see Patrick McCaffrey have a little bit of his time to shine. We saw that last year with Luka Garza and Joe Wieskamp. Joe Wieskamp did take over. But he did a good job of kind of letting Luca do his thing. And then when he needed to, he would take over. I would love to see Patrick um, be a bit more aggressive as well, getting his shot and converting on those shot opportunities. Before we wrap up the first segment, I want to quickly uh, congratulate the women's field hockey team on an amazing season. It was not how they wanted to end the season, losing to Northwestern in the Elite Eight on a fourth quarter goal, one to nothing. But that women's field hockey team has inspired a big section of the Iowa Hawkeye athletic community. Um, I've been watching field hockey games. I've never watched a field hockey game in my life until I watched Iowa women's field hockey this week. So really excited to see kind of the growth of the sport and the growth of the sport specifically at Iowa. So congratulations to those women out there. Um, what a tremendous season. Again, I know it wasn't what you wanted, but ultimately uh, it was a lot of fun in that ride. And so hopefully uh, next year we can get back to the Elite Eight, the Final Four, or maybe even win a national championship. Coming up, we're going to be talking about the football team, getting into the analytics, also talking about the depth charts and definitely some rearranging factors there as well. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you about NetSuite. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. They get over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash NCAA. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-C-A-A. Again, so head over to NetSuite.com. That's N-U-N-E-T-S-U-I-T.com slash NCAA. A for special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. Also, for all of you college football fanatics out there, if you haven't tried Price Picks out, why not? Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. I know that you will too. 
PrizePix is a leader in college sports daily fantasy, and they offer more college football props than anyone in the world. And they offer all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you might not have even heard of. PrizePix offers as many props as you can think of, and any kind of prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All you need to do is pick two to five players. You pick the over-under on their projections, and it's just you versus the projected numbers, and you can 10x any entry by doing that. You can also combine sports. Iowa basketball plus Iowa football, you can do that at prizepicks.com. And right now, all of our listeners that go into prizepicks.com and put a deposit in will get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. All you need to do is use the promo code Locked On when you sign up. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals, and entries can be made within 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use the promo code Locked On, or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. And I want to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at, and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. Let's get into it, though. We talked a lot about basketball. We talked about the field hockey team. Now let's get into football and it, it has been it has been a whirlwind on twitter um man you would think posting statistics and saying literally nothing about it uh wouldn't generate so much controversy but what when i posted the fact that alex padilla went 11 of 24 but had three drops and four throwaways so really we're looking at more like 14 for 24 or 14 for 20 you would think that i had done something terribly wrong to spencer petrus I was mainly just pointing out a statistic because so many people were throwing out statistics and cherry picking pieces to say whatever they wanted to about their argument. Now, yes, that is part of arguing a sports take. You have statistics, you have different things that you rely on, things that you find important and you use it to make your argument. But I think it's always important that there is context behind every statistic. And I try to bring you that context here. That's why we have an analytics talk every single Tuesday as we break down all the analytics of the previous week's games. And I try to give you some information on those things, things I don't agree with, things I do agree with, how those things kind of all play together. I try to do that on this show. So let's get into it, though, the analytics for this game. And we're going to figure out the fallout of that as well when we talk about the depth chart and Tyrone Tracy's tweet. Um, the passing grade for Iowa, 53.1. Alex Padilla had two big-time throws. Two turnover-worthy plays. We know about those. Those were the easy, should-have-been interceptions by Minnesota. He had three drops and four throwaways. His adjusted completion percentage was 70%, which aligns when I say 14 of 20. That's what it means. He had 2.9 second time to throw. Now, what's interesting about that is that the pass blocking, this was the second-best pass blocking grade of the entire season at 76.9. It also happened to be the first time where Iowa did not rotate a single guy around. Every offensive lineman played the entire game. The first time, we're, we are nine, now we're going to be 10 games in the season, or excuse me, 11. We are 10 games into the season, and it is the first time that Iowa did not rotate a single player in and out. The same starting lineup throughout, throughout. it was Tyler Linderbaum, Jack Plum, Connor Colby, Kyler Schott, and Nick DeYoung. And what you saw from some of these guys, Jack Plum, had one of his best performances of the season. I had been very critical of Jack Plum, but he put together a nice game. A 73.3 grade, according to PFF, only a 58 in the run blocking grade, and had the second best pass blocking grade of his season to this point. He did allow two pressures, but it could have been worse. You look at the right side, Nick DeYoung, a 59.2 pass blocking grade, not atrocious, but not good, and allowed three pressures in that game. 
Tyler Linderbaum, of course, had a phenomenal game, 81.8 pass blocking grade, 83.6 run blocking grade. And then Connor and Kyler had uh, basically very average days. Only eight pressures total by a Minnesota defense that have been putting a significant amount of pressure on opposing team offenses. Now, there's two ways to look at this. I'm going to give you both sides. You make whatever argument you want. Alex Padilla had 2.9 seconds time to throw. Now, the, the offensive line had their second best pass blocking grade of the season. Is that the quarterback or is it the offensive line? Here's a play on both. We are 10 games into the season. This offensive line is starting to get some consistency. They're starting to gel a little bit, and they're starting to play with a little bit more confidence. Now, if we had a very good offensive line throughout the season, Spencer Petras, I think, could be an above-average quarterback. We have not seen Spencer Petras be able to get out of the pocket, though, and the offensive line has been really bad, which is why Alex Padilla, in my opinion, is an upgrade at this point in time. Alex Padilla, in this game against Minnesota, avoided – three to five sacks simply by getting out of the pocket and using his legs. Spencer Petras doesn't do that. He cannot do that. Now I'm not looking at PFFs every single play grade. I cannot tell you how much of that was factored in because of Alex Padilla's legs versus how well the linemen were actually blocking. It is interesting though, that in the last two games, pass blocking has significantly improved and Alex Padilla has been the quarterback there. He is able to get out of the pocket. He's able to do a few things and extend plays with his legs, which is why you're seeing a longer time to throw. Again, you can make either argument. Spencer Petras has a phenomenal arm. When he has time, he doesn't do doesn't do too poor, doesn't do too bad. But what I like most about Alex Padilla is the fact that he has been willing to take shots. He has been willing to be aggressive. You're gonna have some of those turnover plays. He's a young guy, second start. Look at the second start that Spencer Petras made. There were some hiccups as well, but we're seeing those hiccups with Spencer even late in the season or even late in this season before he got injured. Also, precision versus accuracy, I think that's really important. You can throw out a completion percentage number just like I did 70.9%. It's not telling you the whole story. There's precision involved in that. I thought Alex's precision against Northwestern, and thank you to Nick for the, the reminder of what precision, the definition of precision was. Precision. Alex's precision against Northwestern was some of the best I've seen since Nate Stanley. In the last three years, it was the best I've seen, or two years, I should say. His precision against Minnesota, not nearly as on point. Accuracy is still pretty solid, but precision was not on point. Not as many perfectly thrown and well-placed balls. But I'm really interested to see how he does against Illinois, um, where Minnesota has a pretty strong defense. I heard someone comparing Minnesota to some of the more average defenses we face. Minnesota has a good defense. That is what has kept them in games. They run the ball and they play good defense. So to say Minnesota doesn't have a good defense is literally just lying. They do have a very good defense. And Alex played a solid game against them. Now, would it have been a different story if Spencer Petras is in there? We will never be able to answer that question. But one thing I can say is that Alex Padilla's average depth of target was 14.1 yards. I believe that's the most as we had since Nate Stanley. And maybe even before that. I'll need to check and confirm. But he's willing to take shots. There's a reason why Keegan Johnson has had two pass interferences called against him or against the opposing team member guarding him in the last two games because Alex is willing to throw the ball up and put it in a spot where only Keegan can get. And if Keegan can't get it, we might get a penalty drawn as well. Those have been huge PI penalties. So I've talked a lot about Alex for Spencer. There's a lot of things to it. Um, I personally am on the Alex Padilla train. If we move back to Spencer, I will be a little bit frustrated because I haven't seen the escapability and I do prefer a mobile quarterback. I'm not saying Spencer is bad. I'm not saying Spencer is the wrong guy at quarterback, but I think 
you have to continue to see what can Alex do at this point for the rest of the season and let it be an open battle going into next year um, because we weren't getting it done at times and almost in spite of Spencer to a degree. Now, Spencer did lead us to a lot of wins, and that is really important to acknowledge as well. Without his guidance and leadership, Iowa doesn't rattle off six wins. He played a phenomenal game last year against Wisconsin, but I think at this point you have to be happy with where the offense is currently heading especially considering Iowa only had 19 minutes of possession and put up 27 points. We have not seen that happen very often. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about the receivers. Tyrone Tracy had a very interesting tweet. We also want to talk about the depth chart as well. Lots of things to cover still as we are breaking down a lot of news and notes around the Iowa Hawkeye athletic community. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about betonline.ag. Last week, I had picked the over and the spread. I can't remember if I told it actually on the show because we had such an interesting schedule last week. But we did picked the over and the under, or sorry, we picked the over on the, the total and we picked the spread for Iowa to cover. And if you would have bet on that, you would have won money. And the best place to do that was to bet at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is back and better than ever. They have a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. And you can head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-M. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. All right, y'all, I want to remind you that we have a show every single day this week. Also, we are joined by Cody Goodwin, the Des Moines Register's beat reporter for all things wrestling. He's going to be joining us to break down everything you want to know to prepare for this upcoming Iowa wrestling season. They have matches starting this upcoming week. It's going to be a lot of fun. They have the Luther Open. Lots of fun things happening across the wrestling space. And we have Cody Goodwin on to talk all about it on the show this week. I believe that episode is going to be dropping tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. Before we took a break, though, we were talking a lot about football. Let's continue that conversation, talking more about football. Receiving-wise. The depth chart came out, and uh, Tyrone Tracy is no longer number one. He has been unseated by Keegan Johnson. This was really just a formality at this point. Keegan has been out snapping him, and in this game against Minnesota, Keegan had 43 snaps, Nico Regani had 20, Arlen Bruce 19, Tyrone 16, and Charlie 16. What's even more interesting about that, Tyrone was not targeted on a single play. Keegan targeted seven times. He did have two drops. I think it's important to note that that guy did have two drops, but nevertheless targeted seven times. Tyrone, in his 16 plays, 10 of those were running plays. And again, no targets at all. You know what Charlie did with his time as well. So Keegan Johnson making the first team depth chart. Arlen Bruce making the second string depth chart, unseating Charlie Jones. I think we're going to see the snaps kind of play out pretty similarly, though. I really like what Charlie can do with his speed. I've never been a huge fan of Nico, but I think that the the plays, the snap count, excuse me, will be pretty evenly dispersed between Nico, Arlen, Tyrone, and uh, Charlie. But Keegan has clearly made himself named the number one wide receiver on this team, which is really exciting. And he had an interesting tweet that I want to read out to you all, um, which I think could really indicate that he might be heading out of Iowa after the season. He said, why have a Swiss Army knife and not use it to its full potential? Very interestingly timed tweet on a Sunday. He did ultimately take it down, but when you get put as a second string depth chart, you only get 16 plays, 10 of those being running plays. You've had a very disappointing season, all things considered, compared to what you were expecting. If I were Tyrone, I'd be pissed too. 
You don't put that stuff out on Twitter. If that's what he was meaning by that and implying, you do not put that stuff out on Twitter, though. That does not look good for you. It does not look good for the team. And it will be really interesting to see if there is a message sent to Tyrone against Illinois. That is one of the things I'll be watching in this game against Illinois. Who is getting the most snaps? That'll be something we are covering as well. I did want to talk about defense a little bit. Tackling, we did receive a 68.7 PFF grade according to uh, PFF. Uh, 10 missed tackles. That needs to improve. I was actually a little bit shocked by our tackling grade, though, because we were struggling so much in that first half. Against a team like Illinois, who they're going to put six and seven offensive linemen in the box, or six or seven offensive linemen along the line, excuse me, to block, and they're going to run the ball down our throat as well and try to do similar things to what Minnesota did. It is really important that we are wrapping guys up early on and not allowing them to get to the second level or break one or two tackles. We need to stop them in their tracks. Our rush defense in this game was a shocking 62.6. I expected it to be significantly lower, especially considering how much Minnesota gashed us. Now, Minnesota did not throw the ball a lot, but what was interesting about this was that we only had five pressures in this game. Last week, we did a lot better against Northwestern. Illinois is not going to throw the ball a lot, but we need to do a better job of generating pressure when it is a passing situation. It takes less, takes more pressure off of our defensive backs. They don't have to hold their, their uh, coverage as long if we can get pressure to the quarterback. And the biggest plays we've made is typically when someone is getting in a quarterback's face and they are forced to make a decision they don't want to make and throw the ball up, and that's when our secondary capitalizes. Only five pressures in this game, two by Seth Benson, two by Zach and Valkenberg, and one by Joe Evans. Again, very interesting. We need to get better at rush in the past, and we have not seen a lot of growth late in the season for the Iowa Hawkeye squad. Now, Riley Moss uh, made his first start in quite some time after being injured against Penn State. Had a pretty okay day. Coverage grade of 65.6, allowed one catch for nine yards on three targets. Um, it felt good to see Riley Moss back in an Iowa Hawkeye uniform. Loved seeing that as well. Now, one thing to watch as we get into that Illinois game is how does Iowa line up? Bill Parker's been tinkering with a few things on the defensive side of the football. We've seen him run a 3-3-5. We've also seen him kind of run a hybrid, not a hybrid 4-3, but a 4-3 over with Justin Jacobs on the edge. Justin Jacobs in this game lined up 17 times along the defensive line. So it will be interesting to see how do they handle this against, against Illinois. If Illinois is putting six and seven offensive linemen out there, I would love to see five down defensive linemen with potentially Justin Jacobs and a Jack Campbell or even – See Justin Jacobs, Jack Campbell, and Seth Benson. Kind of what Iowa has done in the past against Wisconsin at times. Maybe play a 4-4 or a 5-3 even with three defensive backs. Illinois is not a team that's going to be very good at throwing the ball, and I don't think they're going to be able to get much momentum against us. Whereas Minnesota has Chris Alvin Bell, Illinois doesn't really have a lot at the receiver position, so you really can focus on stopping the run. So that'll be a really big thing to watch out for. Minnesota ran a ton of 11 personnel, but again, Illinois – will not be in that situation. They're going to have a six and seven offensive alignment sets quite a bit. How does Iowa adjust against that? We saw some of those adjustments be made in that second half against Minnesota. Will they continue to make those adjustments and prepare for that as they get ready for Illinois? That'll be the question that we want to answer as we get closer to that game and as we get into that game as well. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to be joined by Cody Goodwin talking all through Iowa wrestling on Thursday's episode. We'll be diving into some basketball results. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about the Illinois game, also Kirk Ferentz's press conference, and we'll be doing that as well on Friday. So stay tuned for all those episodes dropping this week right here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. If you want more Lockdown content and you want to make sure you're putting the right bets in at betonline.ag, check out the Lockdown Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are dropping at least three bets that you have to make 
every single day, Monday through Friday, which you can do at betonline.ag. I want to thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Have a fantastic Tuesday, y'all. We'll be back tomorrow. And as always, let's go Hawks.